Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming to another episode of My Angular Story. I'm your host, Aaron Frost. And today we have maybe a second host. Charles Maxwood is here, everybody. Hey, it's good to be back on. Yeah, it's been a while for you since you're on this, the My Angular Story. Yep. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So this is uh, the 100th episode. Yeah. So... uh... I was I was not sure on what, what, what we're doing on the 100 episode, just talking about, hey, maybe this is Chuck's story or this is Aaron's story. I wasn't sure what, 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 the, what the idea was here. Yeah, probably a little of both. And I mean, I think we did an interview with you for my Angular story back in the oh. day. So oh, Okay, cool. Have we ever done a Chuck one? I don't know. All right. All right. Well, then that's what, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, well, let's just start. When did you get in Angular? Let's see who got into Angular first. I got in towards the end of December, towards December, November, December of 2012 was kind of like my first dive into Angular. Right. And I, I played with it a little bit before we started Adventures in Angular, but I mostly started doing stuff with it afterward. So when did Adventures in Angular start? Uh, That was like four and a half years ago. Okay, yeah, so. All right, so Chuck's been in for about four and a half years. I've been in for um, a little, maybe around seven, yeah, around seven, I guess, since we're in November already. Where did you first hear about Angular? Um, we had done some episodes on JavaScript Jabber before that about Angular. So I think we'd had Brad or Mishko or somebody yeah. on to talk yeah. about it. And yeah, it was, it, you know, it was like, oh, okay. You know, yet another framework because back then that's kind of the way things were. Yeah, and was it though? I mean, I guess kind of it was, right? I mean. It was starting to be, it felt you like. Had, you had Backbone and you had Angular and you had Ember and, and Knockout, Knockout, and you had, uh, I mean, you had like just people who were like, ah, just I'm just gonna do jQuery with handlebars. Yeah, right. And some people were trying to start up their own things. bunch of bunch of framework starters. Yeah, I think uh, Durandal. What's Durandal? Which became Aurelia. Oh, really? Was yeah. that clear back then? I'm not 100% sure on that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I do remember there was quite a bit going on. Backbone was, I think, the biggest though, wasn't it? Yeah, Backbone kind of got the ball rolling. Backbone and Ember seemed to be the ones that kind of got things going there. 
Yeah. Um, Knockout came out pretty early, like we said. But yeah, they, and people were talking about frameworks and what they wished they had in frameworks. And yeah, Angular came out. You know, React came out a little bit later after Angular was out. Yeah, Angular had been out for a while and then React came out and um, it started slow and then exploded. Yeah. Well, they innovated on a couple of things that, Yeah. Um, I mean, Angular has them now, more or less the same, you know, innovations, yeah. but, you know, it, it gave it a really significant advantage in some ways in speed and, you know, ability to do certain things. Yeah, like it, uh, you had performance because you had the virtual DOM, right? Yep. So you had performance over AngularJS, like by far. And then also, it kind of came prescribed. I mean, you had to. You had to use a Webpack build, right? Because of JSX, you couldn't, you couldn't do it without a Webpack build. And so because you had Webpack, you basically, if you did a React app, you got to use Babel. Yeah. Which meant which meant you got to use all the cool latest stuff. And that was a big deal back then because in Angular projects, you didn't need Webpack, which means you didn't yeah. need, you didn't need Babel or all these things. And, and you wanted it, but you didn't actually have to have it. So it seemed cooler, right? The React thing then. And then, uh, man, the Angular, Angular 2 just taking forever to, to come out. Yeah. Also was like, hey, the React team just was able to kind of, the React community was able to explode off of that. And then yeah. I think it's pretty much. One other thing, one other thing that uh, was in React was that they optimized the way that bindings worked. Mm-hmm. So AngularJS had two-way data binding, which was a big deal yeah. uh, when you adopted it. But then React changed the way that they did their bindings. And so they were, they were one way. And they had some other optimizations in them that made them really powerful and really fast. Yeah. Yep. And so the change detection and things like that that came off of that was, it really enabled React to do a lot of things that uh, Angular could do, but it couldn't do as well. So, or Angular yeah. JS, I should say. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Angular JS never got that, right? Angular right. Angular JS never got unidirectional data flow working well i mean you yeah. could kind of do it it just wasn't inherent in the framework the two-way yeah. data watching the watching was what was inherent you know yeah so uh but angular has it angular has i mean that and more yes angular's yep. got i mean honestly to say angular's got it what i meant is angular's embraced rxs and rxs has got that like yes like out the wazoo so yeah i mean rx is change the way code should look and be written it's it's pretty amazing yeah absolutely um, so all right all right all right let's talk about um so when did you start playing with angular the new angular because i actually kind of got into that one a little late yeah i i mean by the time angular 2 was kind of getting ready to come out i mean i would i would definitely go grab it and play with some features before podcast episodes yeah but um, I never really built anything with it until it was already out in, you know, public. Yeah. Just because, you know, at that point I was freelancing mostly in Ruby on Rails and I was doing a lot of other things with, you know, putting the podcast network together and 
yeah, it just, it didn't work out for me to spend a ton of time on it. And I didn't really have an application I was trying to build on it. Um, I had done some Angular JS stuff on some other apps and mostly just kind of sprinkled it through. Um, but yeah, I hadn't really gotten into Angular uh, as we know it now until after it was already, you know, kind of public release. Right, 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 right. So, uh, huh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I sound like you got into it before I did. I don't think I got into the new Angular until I think five was a basically kind of, maybe it was, I was either late four or five. I think, I think five was kind of close to being out. Cause yeah. there was the whole FUBAR where three got skipped. Right. And so then four, yep. it just went from three to four. So I think it was five was basically out when I started. So I skipped two, everyone skipped three. And I think I largely missed four as well. Yeah. I was doing tour of heroes with, Angular 4, I think, is yeah. really where I started doing stuff with it. But even then, I mean, again, you know, my full-time thing for the last, what, six years or something has been maybe not that long. I'm trying to remember exactly when I transitioned full-time to podcasts. But yeah, you know, I, I was building toy apps. I mean, nobody's seen the Angular code that I've written except me. Yeah. And you're happy about that, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i'll freely admit that i mean just be just from the standpoint of i i don't know that i really intend anybody to see it yeah 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 i think i, I think i started i mean i started on a personal project and um right now i'm kind of doing some i have a team member of mine andres and, and i were kind of refactoring it and man it's crazy the code you write before you understand observables mm -hmm. versus the kind of code you write after you understand observables it totally changes your code oh yeah so, so yeah that's that's about where i got started um but yeah so uh so you kind of you kind of like a natural hey i'm doing javascript Java, i'm doing ruby rogues i'm doing a bunch of podcasts i'm just gonna do an angular one now you kind of had a pretty natural progression right into adventures in angular and my angular story yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was basically that. I was learning it so that I could help other people understand it. Okay. But as far as like getting super broad into the community, you were already big in it with JSJ because JavaScript Jabber yeah. is huge, right? How many, how many monthly downloads does like a JavaScript Jabber episode get? It's like high, right? Monthly, probably in the neighborhood of 90 to 100,000 per month. That's a lot, bro. Yeah. So that's huge. So you're like, yeah, let's do, let's do an angular one too. And, um, I think, I, I think I remember we were doing JavaScript Jabber and we started getting to a point where a lot of the episodes were about angular, right? Yeah. That kind of happened right before we started it. The other thing was, was that Joe and Merrick and you were all really in angular and what that kind of became was, um, and I don't remember which of you, I know Joe definitely was involved. And I'm pretty sure Merrick was involved too. But yeah, you all kind of came to me and said, hey, we need a show on Angular. And I was like, no, I don't need to do another podcast. And yeah, because you weren't doing full-time podcasting. No, I wasn't. And uh, I already had four, four shows. Yeah. I had Ruby Rogues, JavaScript Jabber, Freelancer Show, and iFreaks. And yeah. so I, I didn't need a fifth show. Yeah. And you guys came back probably a couple weeks later and said, no, you, you really need to do this Angular show. And I was like, no, I really don't. 
yeah, then um, I think the I third mean. or fourth time you talked me into it. And I was like, all right, well, you know, you guys are going to have to, you know, pull the weight because I'm not an angular expert at all. Yeah. And so I, I kind of wound up on the show mostly as a, I can make this thing go. <clears throat> and then I kind of picked it up by talking to you guys. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Yeah, so I, I actually remember that and it made sense because I think we were like, hey man, Java's of Jabber is kind of turning into an Angular podcast. What if we, what if we broke it out? into its own thing where we yeah. could just do Angular and then we could still do JavaScript. Cause there was so much to talk about about both, right? Like yep. it was to a point where it was like, Hey man, there's so much to talk about about Angular, but there's so much to talk about about JavaScript. Cause if you think back to that time, you know, 2013 ES6 is, is barely coming out and people oh, yeah. are still trying to learn about that. <laughs> JavaScript's like the, the concept of single page application is still, fighting for adoption. I mean, it's being heavily adopted, but it's still fighting for its place. To yeah. There's still people that would back then still like make fun of it. And so, uh, I mean, now it's like, now it's a pretty clear, Hey, let's do, let's do a single page app. But back then it wasn't. So there was so much, to, there was so much you need to still talk about JavaScript, but also there was a need to also focus on Angular. So, yeah. Yep. And, and, uh, and it worked out really well. I mean, the community embraced it. Um, yeah. You know, we saw other shows like uh, Kent Dodds started Angular Air. Yeah. And he also had JavaScript Air. <clears throat> I think the only reason that Angular Air is still going is because he found somebody to hand it off to. I think there was a problem with that somewhere with JavaScript Air. I think, uh, I think NG, oh, is JavaScript Air not around anymore? No, they're not producing episodes anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, NG Air went to Jeff Welpley and then Jeff yep. ran it and he got too busy and he handed it to Justin and Justin runs it today. So yep. that was the that was the line of session on on NG Air. Yeah, and um, it's interesting too, because they're um I've always tried to keep things audio first, right? So if if you can't see it, you know, or if if you can see it but the audience can't, then you need to explain it. Yeah. And Angular Air has gone much more to where like if you listen to the audio, sometimes you'll get lost because they're showing stuff off on the YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they stopped actually publishing to podcast feeds just because of that. Like, yeah, it wasn't as effective as a podcast. But uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of the people that reach out to me and say, "Hey, thanks for the podcast. Thanks for Adventures in Angular." Is they like that they can absorb Angular without being in front of the computer. They like the format. Yeah. At least that's what I keep seeing when people like reach out and say, Hey, thanks for, thanks for the hard work here. So, yeah. When I hear that about the other shows, it's the same deal. And sometimes I get it for adventures in Angular too, even though I'm not on the show anymore. Right. That, that seems to kind of be that, like that focus there as well. So kind of like, kind of around the same time, a couple of us are like, Hey, maybe we'll, Maybe we'll try and start a little conference. We're going to, we've never, I, I've never done an Angular conference. I've never done a conference period, but let's try mm -hmm. and do one. Right. And uh, so five of us were like, Hey, let's try and do a small conference. And we had no idea it was going to turn into 
like the biggest angular conference ever right yeah so that, that kind of that, that kind of all happened around the same time you know javascript java is exploding adventures in angular is happening angular is happening ngconf also happens like that was kind of that's kind of where and this and all this kind of comes from the same pool because like when i when i at least in my mind like utah has always had this really good relationship with javascript like you know you go back you go back 10 years and you look at a major javascript library like go back and look at you know yui mode tools um jquery angular right backbone and if you if you just look at google trends and you just focus on the united states like utah was always had this insane high trend like it was yeah. the number one trending state for these technologies which was crazy because it's so relatively small compared to other states right yep yep and uh so utah's always had a pretty good relationship with javascript and like our meetup our, our javascript meetup was big it, like it started with like i remember there was like 10 of us aj was there i was there kip was there oh yeah and then, and then quickly it's like you know 150 <laughs> and and the kind of the same thing that happened with your podcast happened with the meetup it kind of got taken over by Angular. So we had to split it out and make it its own, make it its own meetup. And that meetup also exploded, right? Like the first month there was like 70, which was insane for the first month meetup. And then, and then it quickly got to be like 100, 150 plus. So we had to quickly break it into two smaller ones, a North one and a South one. So I, I remember, so yeah, like, there was a lot going on in the community that has reflection in maybe these podcasts and kind of in, in like even ngconf coming to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and there was a certain amount of synergy too between, and I think you're kind of highlighting this between the users groups and the, the podcast, because, you know, we'd show up to the, the users group and somebody would be talking about something that, you know, we were covering on the podcast or we'd see something in the community here. And, and like, then we take it back the to the podcast. Oh, this, this has got to get covered, right? Nobody's yeah, yeah. talking about this. Yeah. And then we'd yeah. see a wider, sometimes we'd see a wider uh, conversation happen about it, you know, so people would wind up talking about it in the halls of the conference or people would wind up having conversations about it, you know, by email or in forums or things. And that, that was fascinating too, just to watch, you know, what things trickled up and what things trickled back down. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agree. That, I remember that. That was fun to watch. You know, looking back, I didn't, you know, you didn't realize that was happening at the time, but that's clearly what was kind of going on. Yeah. Back in the day. That's so funny. You know, it's so funny to watch how much, how far the community's come. Um, and how, like, we've gone from, we went from Backbone was pretty much the best thing out there. And then Ember and Angular kind of had a face off and Angular, I feel kind of, came out on top not that ember ever wasn't good enough it just angular came out on top. and then react and angular had a face off and react kind of came out on top of that and then now angular is kind of in, in like a in a it's feeling it's it's i feel like the community's matured and angular fills a different purpose than potentially what react does and so yeah so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how the how that's how that's kind of filled those those gaps have kind of been filled over time. 
Yeah. And so. it's, it's interesting to see too, from the standpoint of, you know, last year I started a show on react and a show on view and to be talking to those communities. And sometimes the conversation is, yeah, well, we borrowed this from angular or we borrowed this from react or we borrowed this from view. And sometimes the conversation is, you know, Hey, they borrowed this from us. Mm -hmm. Or, Hey, we're all working on Webpack, and, you know, we all kind of innovated together to get this new, whatever. Yeah. And ju just to see, you know, how the different communities interact and, you know, occasionally you've got somebody who's trying to, you know, prove something by going after, you know, one community or the other, but at the end of the day, um, yeah. we're all working on a lot of the same problems. And so it's been kind of fun to watch how each, each community solves those problems. Yeah, I agree. Like to your point, like Ember had a CLI. Ember, now everyone basically has a CLI, right? Yeah. Like Views got one, English got one. Ember was like the first one to have that. And um, I think even the first versions of the Angular CLI used the Ember CLI as a dependency. So, yes, they did. So it's kind of interesting to see how everyone's affected one another like positively. So yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to kind of see how, how things have come along. Uh, yeah. I've kind of, I've, I mean, you're, you're a bit more agnostic. Well, I mean, not a bit more, you're significantly more agnostic. Yes. I've, uh, I've gotten more like, uh, because of ng-conf and because of work, I've needed to kind of stay in that angular wheelhouse. Yes. And, um, so that's kind of been my, where I've, I've, you know, kind of hung my hat for like the last seven years. And I've had a couple of times where I came out and we used react or we used something else. And, mm -hmm. um, like I, so I've, I've ventured out there and I've seen, you know, the advantages that these other things offer. I just, I still keep coming back to, to angular. Like I, I feel like it answers and I, I realize I'm biased, but I, it answers for me more questions than, than the other alternatives do. And it answers them in a way that I feel like makes more sense. And now, honestly, right now, the number one thing that's like, man, there's, there's two things that Angular does that can insanely well that I'm, and they're not even Angular. It forces you to use TypeScript. And I will never, like, ever hopefully have to work on a project without TypeScript again. TypeScript's amazing, like what it does for your code quality. And then within like last maybe 18 months, I really, really, really had an insane love affair with RxJS. And so mm -hmm. uh, like Angular is built on top of these things that are so insanely powerful that it's really putting you like in the right place for big apps that are highly collaborative with a lot of teams, right? So yep. I, I'm like, I'm like in love, I'm in love with it. So yeah, I mean, me and you, we are, we are a bit different when it comes to like where we hang our hats, right? Yeah. Cause I'm much more about serving the overall programming community. And a lot of that work winds up, you know, reflecting in particular communities where we have shows, but yeah, you know, I, I'm learning it so that I can help, you know, bring other people in. And, you know, my career is much less tied to any one particular technology. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's interesting to see too, just, you know, take a broader view and go, okay, that, you know, it's interesting to see this going on over here or that going on over there. And, 
and, you know, seeing how people relate to each other and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I'd be interested to see how many people, uh, that are listening can relate. So I, I'm, we don't do this very often, but I'm, I, anyone listening to this, if you're tweet out at Chuck and I, if you're more agnostic or if you're more kind of framework specific, I mean, this is a myangular podcast, so I'm guessing yeah. it'll be weighted heavily towards I I'm less agnostic, but I would be interested to see how many of the people who are like, no, I'm more agnostic. Cause it seems like most people kind of dive in and like take a seat but there are there are the roamers that like roam across all the different communities right yeah there are what what's interesting to me though is that and then i give people this advice all the time is to specialize i i, I tell them to specialize right so if you're going to do angular go learn angular as deeply as you can yeah and right because once you understand angular at a deep level you know you're talking about like your love affair with RxJS and things like that, right? It's because yeah. you're diving deep and you're realizing, hey, I've got this powerful tool in here that connects to all of these other parts of Angular and it enables me to write code in a better way that's natural to the way that Angular works. And, and so you, you don't find that necessarily unless somebody points it out to you and you make a concerted effort and, and then you're diving deep. Um, yep. the, the people who are out there and they're like, well, I'll do angular or react or view or whatever the problem is is you don't get enough deep knowledge to know where the pitfalls are or what the best ways necessarily to do things to take advantage of the framework are anyway yeah i've and noticed so, i've noticed that some people well i mean a lot of people i don't i think it's a small percentage some people are actually mentally built in a way where they can go from one to the other and see the advantages i that's just not me you know what i'm saying that's that's fair, but it's usually born of experience in my... Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, so yeah. Yeah, that's... So you get like more experience a, by spending more time going deep on that tech is all I'm saying. But yeah, there, yeah. there are always exceptions, always. Yeah, like, I totally agree. I've, uh, like, I've gotten... The deeper I get into Angular, the more I understand how it's like React. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so even if you've never used React, like, I'll just pull out an example even if you've never used React, and I think a lot of Angular developers may fall in this camp, the fact that you learn Angular and you learn Angular's lifecycle hooks kind of helps you understand React a bit, right? Because React has, their components have lifecycle hooks, right? Mm -hmm. They do. And the fact that you learn Angular's inputs and output system kind of means you're starting to understand like the props that get, get passed around in, in React, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and if you've used NGRX, which is Angular, you know, Redux, then you start to understand React's Redux because they're very similar, even though, you know, one's in, I mean, they make adjustments for the framework, let's just say that. Um, but it's the same, it's the same pattern across both. And so learning Angular diving deep, like you, what you're saying, you do start to learn what the other community is doing as well, you know? Yep. And, and it does start to make you more qualified to see and have opinions about other things. Uh, but yeah, so at least that's my opinion. 
Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. I agree, especially for the fundamentals, right? I mean, you're talking about lifecycle hooks and things like that. These are all fundamentals that all of the frameworks implement. Um, but when you get into like the ecosystems and things like that, um, you know, best practices and stuff like that. Some of those are going to be different enough to where you're going to run into just things that you don't expect. And that's where immersing yourself in the community is going to pay off. Yep. I totally agree. Yeah. Not, not everything is a payoff, but getting into a community definitely helps. Yeah. And that's, if we could be, I mean, and that's where, that's the one thing that Angular has exceeded on better than I think any community that I've ever even heard of. Oh yeah. The community piece. Yeah. The, the angular community is tight. And the other thing is, is that, um, and I've been involved right in the react community and the view community and they're different, but, um, in some ways, um, I've, I've been accepted much and it could be just that I've been involved in it longer. I mean, I, I totally acknowledge that my experience is, different from many other people because I also come in kind of almost as like the, for lack of a better word, the press for that community. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I come in already knowing people who are influencers in the, in the area. And so when I come into, you know, I I get embraced in a different way, but uh, the angular community has been very open to pretty much anybody that I've seen come into the community. And, you know, the, the other, the other JavaScript framework communities are definitely welcoming, but they're welcoming in different ways and maybe just ways that aren't as natural to me. Yeah. And so I feel welcome there, but I feel like I have friends in the Angular community and I don't feel that as strongly about the other communities. Of course, I haven't been involved with them as long either. So there's that to be considered as well. So I'm not trying to knock them, but I definitely agree with you on the Angular community in the sense that wow, I show up to an event and people are happy to see me. Yeah. I, yeah, it could, it could, it could say, it sound like I'm saying, uh, man, the other communities aren't as good as Angular. And that's not what I'm saying. I am saying the Angular community is just exceptional. Yeah. Like everyone else can be par for the course or maybe even slightly awesome, maybe even better than par. It's just that the Angular community is just, it's a different type of community. It's, it's kind of crazy to be honest. Yep. And, 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 and you, and, and I definitely feel that when I, when I watch online and see how people interact online, I'm just like, yeah, this angular community is pretty special, you know? So, yep. And I think, and I'm not sure, but well, I'm not going to speculate as to why, but I, I do know that it is, it's there and it's, it's pretty fantastic community. One of my friends, she's, she's not even really, uh, oh, She's, she's DevOps. She's fantastic DevOps. Her name's uh, Deanna, Super D. Um, everyone knows her as Super D. And she, uh-huh. we invited her to NGConf this year. Uh, and she's like, yo, I've never really been to these conferences, but NGConf was insane. And I'm going to attribute it really just to the community. Uh, the NGConf is kind of a reflection of what the community is all about. So, 
uh, I'm just going to go back and just say, man, the Anglican community really makes people who aren't in it feel crazy welcome and feel crazy like at home and like they belong in it. So I, I think that there's something special, which is honestly, it makes it easy to do things like NGConf and, mm-hmm. you know, the Ventures in Anglican podcast because those take time, right? Like, yep. you know, whatever, two hours a week, whatever it takes to plan a podcast it's certainly worth it. And that's money. Chuck, you and I both, we know we, we, we work on our own. So every hour not working on a contract, that's our, that's basically money spent, but it's worth it. It's worth it because uh, the people are grateful and they, they really do appreciate it. So, yep. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, and we get, we get to serve people in a community that we really enjoy being a part of. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're kind of hitting up on time. We got another another episode happening in a few minutes. So I'm gonna move on to the picks section. Yep. Yeah. Let's I'll let you go. Okay. First. So the first thing I'm gonna pick is uh the book that I just released this week as we record this. It's called The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. And basically the the deal is, is that I had a whole bunch of people coming to me and saying, how do I find a job? A lot of them were new, a bunch of them were in like their first job. They'd been there a year and they, you know, they felt like they were stuck for lack of a better term. They weren't advancing or learning or given, uh, given opportunities to really grow. And so they wanted to find a different position. Right. And what they were doing is they were sending their resume out to everybody that they could find. Right. Does this sound familiar? And yep. they couldn't, they, they, you know, they weren't getting called back and the people that did get called back, they'd go in for the interview and they'd get radio silence. And so I was like, well, you know, and I, I'd helped a few people through. I'm like, well, are you following up? You know? And, uh, you know, did you, did you, uh, did you tailor your resume to, to the company? Right. You know, put, put as much of the stuff they said they wanted in there as, as you could get into your resume, honestly. And anyway, I wound up coaching about a dozen people and help them find jobs. And I realized, you know what? And I found a job, I helped them find jobs that they were happy in, right? I mean, they did all the work. I didn't find them the jobs. I didn't even tell them what companies to look at. I just helped them figure out what companies, what kinds of companies to apply to and then where to find them. And so I put it all in this book and I put it together. And so the, the idea is, is instead of sending your resume everywhere, you figure out what kind of company you wanna work for, you know, what kind of working conditions you're gonna be in, you find companies that line up with that and then you meet people at the company, kind of get the 411 on what's going on there. And then you tailor your resume to the information that you can get and have your new friend actually take it in for you. And I mean, that's how experienced people do it these days anyway, right? Is they, they have yeah. friends in the tech community and it's, oh, well, I'm not really, ha- well, you should come over here because it's great. And that's how they wind up where they are. So. Anyway, so that's, that's the book right there in a nutshell is just the process of getting in that way. That's good. It helps. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of veterans see that angle, but I think when you're new, it's, you don't see the angle, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's good to have that maybe spelled out for, for newer developers. I like that. Yeah. And it, actually even experienced developers who don't interview very often, you know, they yeah. don't, they might not actually have the perspective of that you're trying to, you're trying to present here, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I went through four or five jobs before I went freelance and I'd either wind up at a place I loved 
that would eventually lay me off or a place that I hated that I just kind of stuck it out for a year before I finally got fed up enough to leave. Huh. And you know, that that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, you know, what, what could I have found out beforehand? And in the couple of cases where I wound up in a place that I wasn't happy, I mean, the warning signs were there and all I had to do was talk to a couple of people and I would have figured it out. That's awesome. So, so where, can, where can people find your book? It's on Amazon. Okay, cool. So I self-published it on Amazon. Um, we've had about 130 sales in two days. Oh, that's awesome. Um, since we released it. So yeah, it's, it's, people are picking it up. Hopefully it helps some folks out. Right now it's listed at 299 and that's mostly A, because I wanted to climb the charts so more people can find it and B, so that the people who need it can afford it, so. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so that's out. I'm working on the audiobook now. Uh, the print book should be up here in about a week, which is around Thanksgiving. So if it's after Thanksgiving, folks, then the print book should be up. There is a link in the front of the book where you can go to get worksheets and um, and information about, you know, when these other releases are coming out. So if you want to know when the audiobook's coming out, for example, just get on that list and then we'll let you know. Um, but awesome. yeah, and then the, the other picks that I have, so on the other shows that I'm on, um, and I've been filling in on a few shows, so I've been picking these a lot. Um, I've been picking Christmas movies. And so oh. I'm going to throw a few of them out there and just let people know, you know, hey, look, there are some really terrific movies that people don't talk about anymore that are just, they're, they're wonderful movies and they're amazing. And, you know, some of them get some attention and some of them don't get any. So I'm going to pick one that really doesn't get a ton of attention that I picked on the other shows this week. And then I'm going to pick one of my favorites. So uh, the first one is The Bishop's Wife. And basically it's this, uh, so there's a bishop, right? And he's trying to build a cathedral in his town. He feels like God's called him to build a cathedral. And so um, God sends him this angel and the angels carry Grant. So that gives you an idea, right? It was made in the forties and it's black and white, but it's a terrific movie. And so the angel comes and he actually helps this bishop to kind of fix up his life and fix up his marriage. And then, and then they kind of, you know, figure out the whole cathedral thing as part of the show. So um, it's, it's a wonderful movie and it's, it's a, it's a Christmas, cl Christmas classic at my house. So um, definitely check it out. Um, I think the only place you can get it right now is iTunes. I don't think it's even, you can buy the DVD on Amazon or something, but yeah. It's the other old. one, what was that? It's that old that you can't even buy it except for on iTunes. It's, it's not so well known, right? The, yeah. the other one I'm going to pick, it's older than this one but it's much better, more widely known. And so anyway, you can get it on like Amazon Prime and stuff. And this one is Holiday Inn. It's got Bing Crosby and uh, Fred Astaire in it. Okay. And it's, it's the first movie that had the song White Christmas in it. And uh, there's another movie called White Christmas, which is also pick worthy. And it also has Bing Crosby in it, incidentally. But this one is terrific. It's these guys come back from the war. Uh, they set up a, a hotel basically where they um, celebrate the different holidays. And anyway, it's, it's a super feel good movie and uh, there's lots of singing and dancing as you can imagine with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. So yeah, I'll pick those. Cool. Um, so I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to pick angular nine cause it's almost out by the time this podcast comes out, it might already be out. And there's an insane amount of work that went into getting it ready. So I'm going to pick the Angular team, the Angular community, Angular. Yeah, props depth. to them. Tons of work. Yeah, tons of work. Everyone in the community who's helped educate around it. So I'm going to pick Angular 9. I'm guessing it'll be out by the time this podcast goes out. 
Um, so uh, I'm gonna pick that, and then um, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick people who like musicals. People who like musicals because <laughs> NGConf next year is musical themed. We just announced our theme, so uh, if you like musicals, get excited because uh, next year's NGConf. We got we got musical stuff. We're working with Chloe Condon. I'll pick Chloe because Chloe helped out with this whole uh, initial kind of theme reveal, and uh, she's going to help out with the conference as well. I think I think Chloe's awesome. So let's uh, that's that's those are my two picks. One and you and I, and the other one, um, people who like musicals. So yeah, I don't know Chloe, but I've seen stuff from her on Twitter and stuff, and she seems like a terrific person. So she's super fun, man. Crazy fun. And really awesome. smart. Like she presents at so many conferences. It's not even funny. So yeah, she works at Microsoft, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Good anyway. deal. All right. Well, cool. Uh, Chuck, thanks for, thanks for doing episode 100 together, man. Yeah. Here's to another hundred. To another hundred and to the community. We'll say thanks and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Max out everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.